How do I make money through investing? How does it work? Why did those little numbers on my screen go up? And perhaps more importantly, why did they go down? We'll answer all those questions and more on this week's episode of the Stocks and Savings Podcast. Hi, we're Andrea and Jamie, the two millennial investors and chartered accountants that are here to help you become more confident about the world of investing and finance. We want to give a disclaimer that we are not financial advisors. Nothing in this podcast should be treated as financial advice. This is for educational purposes only. When investing, your capital is at risk and the value of your investments may rise and fall. We'd like to thank our season sponsor, Trading212, for helping us bring you this podcast. Trading212 is an investing platform which aims to democratize investing, and it's also the platform that we have used since we started. But more on them a little later on. Now, we talk a lot about investing, which should be a surprise to no one since we're an investing podcast. And both ourselves and plenty of other people in the world of finance will have said something like, if you invest £250 every month for 30 years into some fund that returns 7% a year, then you'll end up with over £300,000. This calculation is true, and we've had to make the assumption that this fund will grow your investment by an average of 7% a year. But here's a question that rarely gets answered. How? How is that fund going to grow my money? In fact, why does any sort of investment in the stock market go up or down? That's exactly what we're going to be looking at today. Why do investments increase in value? How investors make money in stocks? And ultimately, why does the stock market go up in value over time? The first thing to know is what happens when you invest in shares of a company. Let's say that I go onto my investment platform of choice, which is trading 212, and I go and I purchase one share of a company such as Apple for $175, which is their share price at the time of recording. Which would be one of the few things that you have in common with Warren Buffett, the legendary investor, right? Yeah, I mean, he holds, what, 40%, 35% of his investments in Apple? Um, But sadly, I don't have that in common with Warren Buffett because this is just an example and I still don't own Apple shares. Yes, he owns 915 million shares of Apple, if I'm not mistaken. If you're not mistaken, like you just pulled that number off the top of your head. (laughs) Oh no, more than that, apparently. You are mistaken. Yeah, there you go. (laughs) Well, back to my Buffett-esque example of going and purchasing one share of a company such as Apple for $175. Now, what I'm about to say is perhaps the most fundamental thing to understand when it comes to investing. And it can transform the way you view the buying and selling of shares. Yet a lot of people don't actually realize this. When you buy shares of a company, you are essentially buying a small piece of ownership in that business. So by purchasing one share of Apple, I am actually becoming a part owner of one of the greatest businesses in the world. And that's actually the main reason why companies have shares. Shares are a way of splitting up the ownership of a company. It can be quite a concept to get your head around. The fact that by purchasing a share of Apple, you are becoming a part owner of one of the greatest ever companies. Now, at the time of recording, Apple has around 15.8 billion shares in total. And one of them belongs to Jamie, apparently. (laughs) So what are the benefits of being a shareholder, of being a part owner of a business? Well, by owning a portion of a company, you are entitled to have a claim on a portion of that company's profits and assets. Maybe an easier way to think about it is imagining that you owned all the shares in Apple and therefore owned the entire business. This would allow you to make a claim on all the profit that Apple makes. And you would also be able to make a claim on everything that Apple owns, such as its warehouses, stores, and so on. However, 
as a shareholder, I'm probably not going to be able to call up Apple CEO Tim Cook with my one share of Apple and say, hey, mister, give me my share of the profit since I own one of your 15.8 billion shares. And therefore, I'm entitled to 0.0000000006% of your profit. And yes, that is the ownership percentage that one share of Apple gets you. For anyone that thought that the recording just froze. (laughs) No, apparently that is the exact ownership percentage that one share of Apple gives you. And after a few seconds of Apple CEO Tim Cook being confused as to how this random guy from the UK got his number, he'll probably turn around and say, well, I can't give you that. However, I will give you a share of our profits in the form of a dividend. This leads us into the first of two main ways that investors can make money by investing in stocks, and that is dividends. But first, we often get asked what platform we use for our stocks and shares ISAs, and you guessed it, it's Trading212. The next 45 seconds or so are kindly sponsored by Trading212, but we have used Trading212 long before we had a partnership with them. Now we're going to be honest with you, when we started investing, we didn't have the confidence or the means to invest large sums of money. We started investing with £50 each, so we needed a platform that allowed us to invest little money and that had minimal costs, because we were investing £50 at a time, and high fees would have significantly reduced our returns. This is why we chose Trading212, and three and a half years on, we still have our stocks and shares ISAs with them, because apart from their low fees, the app is really easy to use and they offer a great range of investments. If you sign up to Trading212 using the referral link in the description and deposit at least the minimum amount required for Invest or ISA accounts, which at the time of recording is just £1, you can get a mystery free share worth up to £100. Terms and conditions apply. Now, you've probably heard of dividends, but let's recap exactly what they are. Simply put, dividends are a cash payment that companies can choose to make to shareholders. They are a way for investors to share in a company's success, as dividends are usually paid out of the profits that a company makes. Dividends are normally paid on a per-share basis, which means that companies will give you a certain amount for every share that you own. For example, Apple's most recent dividend was $0.24 per share, meaning for every one share of Apple that you owned, you would receive a $0.24 cash payment in your investing account. Which means that with more than 915 million shares of Apple, Buffett's company, Berkshire Hathaway, would have received about $220 million in dividends from Apple. Which is crazy. That's not too bad, is it? Right? Just, you know, a little pocket money. So most companies, like Apple, tend to pay dividends once a quarter, meaning once every three months. But this can vary. Some businesses will pay a dividend monthly, some may only pay a dividend once a year, and some may not pay a dividend at all. One question we get asked quite a lot is why shares actually have value. And it's a valid question. Most people will see numbers on a screen and have no idea why they go up or down. And to them, that makes investing feel like gambling. So they avoid it altogether. We have already mentioned that owning shares of a company gives you a small ownership stake in that business, giving you a theoretical claim on the company's assets and profits. And therefore, your share must be worth something if the company is worth anything and expected to make some profits. Dividends are yet another thing that gives shares value. 
Before we dive into why dividends give shares value, I want to introduce a common metric that you'll need to know when talking about dividends, and this is called the dividend yield. The dividend yield is the percentage return that an investor would have received from dividends in the past 12 months, relative to a company's current share price. It is calculated by dividing a company's annual dividend per share by its current share price. For example, if a company paid an annual dividend of 25 pence and its current share price is 5 pounds, then we can find the dividend yield by dividing 25 by 500, which is 0.05, multiply that by 100 and you get the dividend yield of 5%. This is a similar concept to receiving 5% in interest from a bank account, although there are more risks here. Specifically, there's a risk that the amount that you invest initially could change as the share price rises and falls, and the risk is that the dividend is not guaranteed, unlike interest in a bank. A slight tweak on a company's dividend yield is its forward dividend yield, which can also be handy. This is exactly the same as before, except it bases the dividend yield on the estimated dividends that a company will pay in the next 12 months relative to its current share price. This can be handy for new investors. It's good to understand what a company's past dividend yield has been like and its history of paying dividends, but you won't receive any of those dividends that have already been paid, so it's good to also have an idea about the dividends that you might receive in the future. And one last point, it's worth remembering that any figures about dividend yields are based on the annual dividend that a company pays. So if a company pays a dividend once every quarter, like Apple, then you'll have to add up the dividends over the past four quarters in order to get the annual dividend, which you can then use to find the dividend yield. For example, we just mentioned the 24 cent quarterly dividend that Apple paid. If you were calculating Apple's dividend yield, you couldn't just use that 24 cents because that's only for one quarter. You need to use its annual dividend, which means you take the dividend they just paid and then the three dividends before that so that you get the entire annual dividend that Apple pays to get an annual dividend yield. Yes, for example, in the last 12 months, Apple has paid 93 cents per share in dividends, and its dividend yield in the last 12 months was 0.52%. Apple is also expected to pay 96 cents in the next 12 months in dividends, which would make its forward annual dividend yield 0.54%. It's also worth noting that you probably won't have to calculate this yourself. You can very easily find these figures by like just googling, for example, Apple forward dividend yield or Apple expected dividend, um, and you'll find plenty of websites. The way that I just found these figures is that I have the free app Yahoo Finance that has lots of different useful information about stocks. I have typed in Apple's name and I have just looked at the different insights and metrics that they have on here, such as the dividend yield. Yeah, exactly. Whilst it's useful to know how to calculate it, because you might want to calculate yourself if you're doing a deep dive on a company. The main reason that we explained how to calculate it was just so you understand what it means and what's going on. If we just wanted to quickly check a company and its dividend, we wouldn't calculate ourselves. We would probably just Google it or look on Yahoo Finance. Now that we know these useful terms, let's go back to why dividends give value to shares. We're also going to move away from Apple, sadly, <laughs> and think about a company that pays a slightly more substantial dividend, such as the supermarket chain Tesco. 
Tesco pays a dividend once a year, which actually makes it a lot easier to calculate for our purposes. In 2023, Tesco paid a dividend of 10.9 pence per share to its shareholders. Analysts are also expecting Tesco to pay a dividend of 11 pence per share in the upcoming year, which seems achievable. Or 15 pence per share if you own a Tesco club card. Haha, <laughs> badooms. <laughs> Have you seen uh, the investigation from which that concluded that Tesco's club card prices aren't as good value as they would like us to think? I did. I read that. I saw the... Yeah, they've been doing an investigation, I think, into Tesco's and Sainsbury's as well. And I think they said that basically, I don't know, about a third of the discounts, in air quotes, which you can't really do on a podcast, but about a third of the supposed discounts were actually just where Tesco had inflated the prices and then brought them back down to the normal prices with their club card price which is a little bit dodgy. And I should also point out the way I just said that you get a 15p dividend per share if you have a club card. That was a joke. You just can't have any fun on finance podcasts. But yes, that that is inaccurate. Don't go buying Tesco shares and reporting me to the Financial Conduct Authority when you didn't get your club card boost to your dividend, please. I mean, with regards to those practices that Tesco and Sainsbury's seem to have taken with club card prices and nectar prices, is it? I mean, it's not a huge shock, isn't it? I think we've all kind of suspected it. But yeah, to kind of see it in black and white, it's, um, it's not great, is it? No. But you still, you still have to sign up to those uh, schemes, right? Loyalty schemes, because you don't want to have to pay more. Um, and then you have to give up your data, basically, to them. So then they can sell more things to you, <laughs> which is great. Oh, capitalism. <laughs> Speaking of capitalism, let's go back to what Tesco will do with all that extra money it gets from upselling you and its dividend. Yay! (laughs) So let's say that Tesco does pay 11 pence worth of dividends in the upcoming year. The company's current share price is 271 pence. So what is its forward dividend yield? Well, dividing 11 by 271 gives us 0.0406, which we then multiply by 100 to find Tesco's forward dividend yield of 4.06%. This means that if you bought Tesco's shares now and the company did pay that dividend and the share price didn't change, then you would make a 4.06% profit thanks to the dividends that the company paid. This is part of the reason why shares have value. If investors believe that Tesco is capable of paying them 4% a year in dividends on a regular basis, then they have a reason to purchase shares. It's also why shares of Tesco are unlikely to fall from 271 pence to something like 50 pence. If Tesco shares fell to 50 pence, then it would have a forward dividend yield of 22%, meaning that investors could collect a whopping 22% profit per year. And that simply isn't going to happen. So if a stable company pays a regular, ideally growing dividend, then it gives value to the shares and it gives investors a way to make some money by investing. This is why dividends are one way that investors can make money in the stock market. Now, before we move on, I just want to quickly touch on something that we said there, which was that Tesco shares are unlikely to fall from 271 pence to something like 50 pence because of the dividend. So does that mean that you can't lose money in Tesco shares? No, you can absolutely lose money on investments, even if they do pay a dividend. There are a number of reasons for this, but they ultimately come down to how sustainable the dividend is. 
If a company is growing its revenue or improving its profitability, then its dividend is likely to grow over time and this may boost the share price. A good example of a company like this is Starbucks. If a company's revenue is only growing slightly or its profitability is only slightly improving, then its dividend is likely to remain stable or maybe only grow by a small amount each year. In this case, shares of the business will probably remain fairly stable too. A good example here is a company like Coca-Cola. However, if a company is struggling to grow its revenue, if its profits are starting to fall, or if the company looks like it's in trouble, then there's a chance that the dividend will be reduced over time, and that's likely to lead to a reduction in share price. Good example here is a company like Vodafone. I do feel slightly guilty since we're former Vodafone employees, and yet Vodafone always seems to be our go-to bad example when we're talking about anything when it comes to investing. Yeah, that's because we love it too much. Yeah, do you think that's why we love it so much that we're not afraid to give it that tough love? Although, in fairness, if you look at its share price over the last five years, clearly it's not only us who think that the company has been struggling. But going on to our Tesco example and the fact that we're saying that because it pays an 11p dividend, then its shares are unlikely to fall to, say, 50p, clearly their shares can fall to 50p. Well, it's not going to happen if they can sustainably pay an 11p dividend. However, if the company starts to struggle, if it starts to see its sales fall, if it starts to become less profitable, then the company will have less profit that it can share with its investors. And that means it will probably have to reduce its dividend from 11p down to, I don't know, 10, 9, 8, 7, 6p, maybe even lower. You know, take, take your favorite pick of pence. And as a result, the shares could most certainly fall. But as long as Tesco has a dividend that is stable and the company appears to be doing okay, which I don't know that much about the company, but it seems to be doing it from the outside, apart from its dodgy club card prices, then the odds are the shares aren't going to be collapsing to 50p anytime soon. But just know that if the company struggles, dividends get cut and that can lead to share prices falling. And actually, there can sometimes be a period where a company in decline can look attractive from a dividend point of view. Say, for example, Tesco appears like it's going to struggle in the next year, and as a result, its shares drop and will be really dramatic and say that they drop to 50 pence. If that happened, Tesco would apparently have a dividend yield of 22% because it has just paid 11p a year in dividends. So you might look at that and be like, ah, 22% a year? Yes, please, give me that profit. However, This is an important thing to know. If you ever see a high dividend yield, which is generally something over 8, 9, 10%, then there's almost always going to be a reason for it. It could be that shares are actually really cheap and the company's still strong and it's still going to pay its dividends, so it could be a good buying opportunity. But more often than not, the only reason that the market would allow something like that to happen is if they believe something bad was going to happen with the business. So if Tesco's shares did fall to 50p, the odds are it's because the market doesn't think that Tesco is going to be able to continue to pay a dividend of 11 pence per share. The odds are the market thinks that dividend will be cut in half, if not even further. So this is what's known as a yield trap. When a dividend yield looks really high for a company, but that dividend is probably not going to be sustainable and is at risk of getting cut. So that's just one other thing that I want to mention. And speaking of Vodafone earlier and how we like to give it as a bad example for everything, Vodafone currently has a forward dividend yield of 9.7%, which is pretty high and unusual for a FTSE 100 company. So the implication there 
is that investors are demanding a higher return to take the risk in investing in Vodafone shares. You know, they want a 10% yield. But then the other implication is that Vodafone's forward dividend may well be lower than expected. Exactly. Back in 2019, Vodafone actually sliced 40% of its annual dividend as it wrestled with its heavy debt load. So there's no guarantee that it won't do that again. So we've spoken a bit here about share prices going up and a bit more about them going down. And that actually leads us to the other way that investors can make a profit when it comes to investing in the stock market, capital gains. So what are capital gains? It's basically the jargony way of describing the profit that you make when you sell an investment for more than you paid for it. In the world of stocks, capital gains relate to the profits that you make when you sell shares of a company for a higher price than you paid for it. Basically, the profit that you make when the share price goes up. And that's a simple enough idea, right? You buy shares, the price goes up, you sell them, profit. End of segment. We can all go home now, (laughs) right? Yeah, I'd say so. That seems easy enough. We're done. Um, I hope you've enjoyed this episode of the Stocks and Savings Podcast. Okay, not so fast. (laughs) But you said. Well, I guess there is an elephant in the room and a question that investors have been wondering for a long time. Why do share prices actually go up? In order to answer this, I'll read out a very common definition of what is meant to be reflected in share prices of companies. Share prices are meant to reflect the present value of a company's future cash flows and profits. This basically means that share prices are driven by the future amount of cash or profit that a company is expected to bring in. Knowing this makes it surprisingly easy to answer the question, why do share prices rise and fall? Going by this definition, share prices rise if the market thinks a company will make more profit in the future than previously expected. Conversely, Share prices fall if the market thinks a company will make less profit in the future than previously expected. And why is that? Well, remember that when you buy shares of a company, you are becoming a part owner of that business and you are entitled to have a claim on a small portion of that company's assets and profits. So, if a company is now expected to make more profit in the future than it was previously, it's likely that shares will have more value, because there is more potential profit that shareholders could have a claim on. The difficult thing with share prices is that there are so many different things that can impact them, and as a result, the current share price of any company is unlikely to perfectly reflect the future profits and cash that it will bring in. Let's look at Meta, for example, which is the parent company of Facebook, Instagram, and WhatsApp. Back in November 2022, the company's share price had been falling by an eye-watering 75%. The company had been under a lot of pressure from a number of things. It was burning billions, trying to build the metaverse, it was facing intense competition from TikTok, its profits had dropped due to a change in Apple's privacy policies, meaning Meta couldn't advertise as effectively, and it was receiving an incredible amount of negative media coverage. There were clearly a lot of risks here for Meta, and despite the company still being incredibly profitable and appearing to have a bright future, shares had tumbled. This just shows what kind of an impact short-term results, news, and narratives can have on a business. So what happened? Well, in the months that followed, Meta turned its focus to profitability and cut back on its expenses. It held its own against TikTok, it started to improve its advertising efficacy, and the news stories appeared to die down, which is funny how that happens when the share price of a company starts to go back up. Simply put, whereas the market had thought Meta's profits were going to collapse, the company turned around and said, nope, we're doing just fine, thank you very much. 
The result is that Meta's shares have returned an incredible 240% since those lows in November 2022, growing from $88 to $300 and turning a £10,000 investment into over £34,000. There are a number of reasons for this. I think it's fair to say that the market overreacted to the negative news about Meta back in 2022, but ultimately the reason shares initially fell was because the market thought Meta's current and future profitability was going to be a lot worse due to all the pressures on the business. When that turned out not to be the case, shares of Meta increased in value to reflect the new expectations of higher profits, profits that shareholders will be able to make a claim on for years and years. So that is the other way that investors can make money from their investments. Capital gains, which is the profit made when share prices increase and you sell them. It goes without saying that share prices can go down too. And I think this example with Meta shows just how difficult it can be to invest in stocks sometimes. It can be a roller coaster, And I think a lot of investors, including ourselves, have seen that in recent years. But now that we've gone through the two ways that investors can make money through investing, which are dividends and capital gains, i.e. the share price going up, let's now answer one final question. Why does the stock market go up? Well, let's start by recapping something we said at the start of this podcast, which was the following. We said that we talk a lot about investing, which should be a surprise to no one, since we're an investing podcast. And both ourselves and plenty of other people in the world of finance will have said something like, if you invest £250 every month for 30 years into some fund that returns 7% a year, then you'll end up with over £300,000. Now this calculation is true, and we've had to make the assumption that this fund will grow your investment by an average of 7% a year. But here's the question that rarely gets answered. How? How is that fund going to grow your money? In fact, why does any sort of investment in the stock market go up or down? We've always been big fans of adding index funds and well-diversified funds into our portfolios. But what are funds? Well, simply put, funds are a big basket of stocks. Well, strictly speaking, funds can consist of other types of assets other than stocks. They could be made up of bonds, for example. But for our purposes here, we will only think about stocks. Very true. And yeah, as you say, we will just be focusing on stock funds for now. And for example, one of the most well-diversified index funds out there is the Vanguard FTSE All World ETF, which is a basket of shares from more than 3,000 large and medium-sized companies. But why do funds such as this, or stock market indices such as the S&P 500 or the FTSE 100, go up or down? Well, that's now very easy for us to answer. These funds are baskets of stocks, and the value of a fund goes up as the value of the stocks within that fund go up. And we've just spent this whole podcast talking about why stocks can go up. So if you understand that you can make a profit from stocks through dividends or through the share price rising, then it follows that you can make a profit from funds in exactly the same way. You can make a profit thanks to the dividends that you'll receive from the stocks within that fund. And the value of the fund will increase if the share prices of the companies within that fund increase. One of the cool things about owning a stock or a fund is compounding returns. If you have £100 investing in the stock market and the stock market goes up by 10% in a year, then you'd have £110 by the end of that year. If the next year the stock market goes up by another 10%, 
then you'd have 10% more than 110 pounds, which is 121 pounds. So your returns are earning more returns over time, which is really one of the benefits of investing. Now, we also get asked how we know that the stock market will go up in the future. And the short answer to that is pretty easy. We don't. (laughs) We have no idea what the market will do in the next day, week, month, year, or decade even. However, what we do know is that innovation has always driven more growth and more profits for the businesses that make up the largest stock market indices in the world. And the companies that fail to do this have a habit of being removed, making way for newer, more profitable and more innovative businesses. For example, I think Airbnb very recently got added to the S&P 500. Basically, if the economy continues to grow and if companies continue to find new ways of driving innovation and profits, then we think we will be just fine as investors. It's also worth noting that whilst we have covered a lot about how to make money from investing in this podcast, we hope it goes without saying that investing does come with risk. Dividends can get cut and share prices certainly can go down, as we know all too well. But I think you should now hopefully have a much better understanding behind what causes these share price movements. As you know, if you've listened to this podcast for a while, we made loads of mistakes when we started investing that cost us thousands of pounds, in part because we were still learning. That's why we created our Instagram. That's why we created this podcast. That's why we started doing our newsletter. And that's why we've created our A to Z investing course, a carefully thought out roadmap designed to take you from a beginner to a confident investor in six weeks. Not only will you get access to over 40 lessons and more than 100 videos, but we will be able to support you every step of the way. We'll be active daily in the exclusive Facebook group to answer any questions you have. Plus, we'll have live group check-in calls every three weeks to make sure you get everything you need from the course. If you find our podcast helpful and you're ready to take the next step on your investing journey, then be sure to take a look at the ACEN investing course using the link in the description once this episode is over. We can't wait for you to join us there. We started this podcast with a simple question. How do I make money through investing? We hope that now you have a much clearer idea behind what is ultimately driving the profits of any investor. It's so easy to look at numbers on a screen and feel like you're at a casino. But we hope that this podcast has helped you see that there are a lot more things of actual value that cause share prices to rise. And maybe next time someone tells you that investing is basically gambling, you might be able to open their eyes to the benefits of investing, why shares have value, and how it is possible to make money from the stock market. We really hope you found this helpful. If you did, take a screenshot of the podcast and share it to your Instagram story and tag us at Stocks and Savings so that we can see it. And please give this episode a five-star rating on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Since we are a smaller podcast, this would really help us to gain credibility, to bring in more people and to dedicate more time, money, energy and resources into bringing you a podcast to help demystify the world of investing and finance. Thanks again to our season sponsor, Trading212, and remember to check out the referral link in the description and get your mystery-free share worth up to £100. Keep in mind that terms and conditions apply to the offer. We hope you enjoyed this episode and we can't wait for you to join us again next week. Until next time, bye-bye!